Okay, let's, um, I went through quite quickly last week, and so I just want to take you to page three and just get you to fill in just some blanks, which says four big truths that define life in the beginning. So that's what you're looking for on page three, pretty much smack bang in the middle of the page. Four big truths that define life in the beginning. And God, as we know, created and he created these truths from the beginning. And you can't mess with these truths. We actually have to surrender to them. Um, so before we even turned up, this is what the reality was at the beginning before us. Okay, So it says God is to be the source of our lives. God is to be the source of our lives. You and I can still be the source of our lives. And so he needs to be the source if we want to live this all and complete life. Because as uh, Tess just said, you know, there is no power in the middle one. There's no life in the middle one. It's earthy. And earthy isn't eternal. And so God must be our source, which means there needs to be a deep work done and sometimes we don't even know this work needs to be done. And that's the other side of it. And that's why we just keep our eyes on him. We don't look to us and go, oh my goodness, you know, show me this work that needs to be done. It's no, if I just keep my eyes on him, then through that process, he'll make me aware of what I may be completely unaware of. Because it says, you know, in view of God's mercy, offer up your body. And so if we don't have a reference for his mercy, then you're never going to offer up your body because it's the mercy that empowers you to lay down your life. So if you don't have that, then you've got no reference for why you would lie down your life. But when you see his mercy and who you are before he comes and rescues you and why he rescues you, then the natural process is to lay your life down. And so it makes perfect sense from spiritual sight. Second one, we were created for fellowship with God. We were created for fellowship with God, and we're going to look at these three tonight. Fellowship, the boss. The next one is God is the boss. <laughs> God, he the boss, man. He the boss, man. <laughs> Do you like God as boss or... Do you still like being the boss of your own life? Because once again, in the beginning, we weren't there, were we? So this is what life was in the beginning, and it was perfect, and it was good. And the third thing is God and people are to have different roles. So God and people are to have different roles. Okay, so if you come over to um, page five, and then hopefully at the top of page five you'll have like a number two, and it says we were created for fellowship with God. Anybody want to have a go at what fellowship is? It's a word that we throw around. Oh, we had some great fellowship. 
and come over and have some fellowship. Um, it's the oneness with him that then creates the oneness with one another. So it's not the common, I don't know, interests or hobbies or life, you know, expand. It's, it's him and that's the beauty of who he is and even how you can connect with someone that you've never met before because it's not about I've known you for three years but it's the knowing of him that creates the oneness with one another. Awesome. So fellowship is your oneness with him. And 1 Corinthians 1.9 says that we have been created and chosen to have fellowship with the Father and the Son. And if you have a look at 1 John 1, 1-7, John talks about and invites a group of people to have fellowship with Him, them, and the Father, Son, and Spirit. So fellowship's not friendship. Okay, Fellowship's not friendship. Um, fellowship is spiritual oneness. And it's really important that we have fellowship before anything else. If friendship trumps your fellowship, then, you know, if the friendship goes a bit stale or something goes wrong or there's hurt, then it breaks oneness. And that's why fellowship, spiritual oneness, has to be the thing that we're connected to. But we fell out of that when we fell. And so, so often we think, you know, the fall is about actually falling out of just God and going to hell and that's the big thing and I think the biggest thing is we lost oneness in the garden we lost everything when we fell out of fellowship with God and so you know just people say oh come around for some fellowship and what they mean is friendship and so fellowship there's been no transaction of oneness there's been no fellowship so the point is that we gather together Bible says they devoted themselves to four things, the early church. Who can tell me what those four things are? Say it, sorry. Prayer. What did you say, Heather? Breaking of bread. Yep, apostles teaching and fellowship. So four things. So ask yourself, am I devoted to spiritual oneness with God? Is that the pursuit of my life to be one to become one and to be perfected in oneness so then I can have fellowship with my brothers and sisters and I don't even need to know who they are. It's such the powerful position because we say things like this over the years, oh, I need to get to know people before I can actually be open and transparent. And you go, well, how long does it take? Well, I'll let you know when we get there. And then you just build enough friendship with someone and then they go. And so then you've got to start all over again with someone else. You see, and that's okay in the sense of friendship's good. You know, friendships are good things, but it's not fellowship. And fellowship is a bond that can't be broken. And this is this whole three strands thing that we talk about in couples, but really it's a oneness that you have with the Father, Son, and the Spirit. And it says that you're invited and your life is hidden in them, isn't it? So you become one. Now you're not God, but you're becoming Christ-like. And so Adam and Eve, they lost God as their source. They dropped out of fellowship with God. And so God wants to get us back, God being our source, and bring us back into divine fellowship with Him. It's the most powerful position. And this is what you see in John. So becoming one was all based around John 17, wasn't it? So God wants to get us back into oneness with Him. 
being perfected in oneness. And that's what John 17 is all about. I pray that you would be one as we are one. And so this is where you have the same mind, the same spirit, the same love and intent on one purpose. It's not purposes. It's not everybody looking for their individual purposes or their individual lives. It's about committing to be part of a body that has one with their creator and one with one another. So if there's no fellowship here, there's no fellowship here. This is not the place you find fellowship. It's there and the outcome of there is here because the bond is him. That's what makes it so powerful. Because if it's about me and Rosalie, then if I offend Rosalie, we break this thing called fellowship. So it can't be here. And it's the same with love. It's like love, the cross, if you take out the vertical, you have no cross, correct? Well, it's the same with fellowship. So everything is built on the vertical part of the cross, not the horizontal. But if you have that, then you can have that. If you don't have that, you don't have that. You're left with human friendship. And that's not strong enough to carry a church and to build a church. Cool. Any questions in relation to any of that? Any clarity? Nope. Okay. So here's the thing. When the disciples walked with Jesus, did they have fellowship with him? No. Would they come into fellowship with the Holy Spirit? Yes. So it's not something that you just say, I have because you turn up on a Sunday or come to a well or a part of a discipleship group or even pray. So you can be all around it like they were and have them in their lives eating and they didn't have because it's a spiritual oneness within you. And it's a work that's done within you through the Spirit's power of bringing the Word of God to light and life within you. So when the Holy Spirit writes the Word on your heart and mind, you grow in fellowship. You grow in love. You grow in the Word. You grow in Christ because ultimately it's all one and the same thing. And that's the beauty of on the revelation of Jesus, I build my church. So we don't want to overcomplicate it, but God uses these different words to try and describe different aspects of himself. But really it just comes back to him. So the greater I have knowledge of him through revelation, that's what we've been looking at Sunday, I have a greater fellowship with God. And that is to increase, yeah? So it's not just I have oneness with him and that's it. It's I'm being perfected back into the reality that Adam and Eve were in before they fell. And that's what God's trying to get us to, back to the garden. That's what really the promised land's all going to be about, is back to the garden, the new heaven and the new earth, is we've returned back to where we started from. Paul saw Paul. It's an amazing plan. So it just says in your notes, mankind was created by God to be in fellowship with God and with one another. Our fellowship with God is to define our fellowship with one another. I can't stress that enough because we tend to look for friendship, relationship, you know. And there's nothing wrong with a relationship, but it's not fellowship. And you want to have a stronger fellowship than you have a stronger relationship. Um, there's Genesis 2:25, and the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Um, 
So at the very start of this relationship, there was no brokenness, was there? And so because there's no brokenness, there's no shame. And so once again, this is what God is restoring. So the Bible says there is no condemnation to those in Christ. So when we receive Christ as our Lord through the power of revelation and we realise how right we've been made, there is no shame or condemnation from our sin. This should be conviction, but not condemnation because he's washed you of that reality. Okay, so I was sharing this with someone. I, I've, I've never, and I say this to encourage us, but I've never had any condemnation, shame or guilt for my sin from the day I got saved in 97. Because what I received washed me, the power in the blood that showed me how right I was in him, not in me, in him, created this, I've been set free from that. So why am I going to beat myself up about that when I've been set free from that? Because he's brought me back into a right alignment because I was out of alignment, but now I'm back in alignment. And this is what it's like, even though your behaviour is catching up. Within you, you have a revelation of what he's done. And so then the behaviour slowly catches up to the reality that's in your heart. It's truly phenomenal. So you never beat yourself up about anything because you realise he's washed you clean. And then it's about that ongoing process of coming to know him and who you are in him. So then your behaviour aligns to that. So that was the position Adam and Eve were in. There was no shame. They were naked in front. They didn't even know stuff. And obviously they fall out and it's like it's the massive cover up and this is what we've done. So all we know how to do is cover up because we might have got hurt because we're all born fallen and covered over. Correct? So just like they covered over, that's how we start. We cover over ourselves because we don't want to get hurt. Well, he has to uncover to then cover you because you're going to protect you. That's all you know how to do because that's how you're born to protect you. Now, especially if you've been hurt as a child or something's happened growing up and that hurt is like, I'm not uncovering this, I'm keeping this well covered over and then the walls all go up. Now, God can break through that but God wants to uncover us to get to our true heart so he can heal what's in the heart and then cover so then we can live and there's no shame. And that's, Jesus came to set the captive free, came to heal the brokenhearted. But all that, and I've just said, is a divine work of the Holy Spirit, full stop. And it's just through our willingness and our vulnerability to let him into those deep places that we may still carry hurt or offence or bitterness or unforgiveness or pain. And this is what this is all about. It's realising the design that was at the start, we weren't around and this works really well. We enter here and we're a broken people and God wants to fix us and make us live here. So who we are here is who we are here. And then we can live and represent and demonstrate him and others are like, how does that work? And you go, well, let me tell you, it's not about me and it wasn't in man that I got fixed or the earth and earth's ways. Let me lead you to the one who did the work. And so not only has God become your source because you've changed from you being the source to him being the source, you're now in divine fellowship with the Father, Son, Spirit, receiving on a daily basis downloads of his word and able then to live out the reality of what that says. But none of that 
is because you understood it here. It's all because you actually went, here I am. And you were brave enough and courageous enough to go, here I am, and I'm going to get naked in front of you. Now, they were naked in front of God and one another. And the power is when you get naked in front of everyone else, you empower everyone else to get naked. That's the beauty of humility is when someone models it because someone doesn't care about what anyone thinks because they're healed, it releases everyone else to go, if you can do it, I can do it. And all of a sudden now, that heart is there in front of God and goes, well, now I can heal that because I've came to heal the brokenhearted. But while that heart is kept covered over and protected, he won't, 99.9% of the time, crash in. You have to say, yes, come in, which is very scary because you don't know what that's going to be like because all you've known is to do is guard yourself. But he can be trusted. He loves you. He comes to free us that we can be who we've been created to be before the foundations of the earth. Is that cool? So it just says, uh, mankind was created to be spiritually uncovered before God and one another. Mankind was created to be spiritually uncovered before God and one another because this was God's created design. There was no shame in this uncovering because it was his spiritual way of being. There was no shame in this uncovering because it was the spiritual way of being. And I've sort of said, oh wait, I'll just go down to the boss. So um, when you get the notes, fill in those other bits, but we've sort of just said that. But this is God's perfect plan, see? So in the beginning, those four things, God was the source, fellowship, they had fellowship. God's the boss, and there were God's roles and Adam and Eve's roles. And what happened at the fall, all of that got messed up. It all got reversed. We're the source of our own lives. We're the one to be the boss of our own lives. We fell out of fellowship and we're going to play God's role because God can't play it because I'm going to control my own life because I'm going to be the God of me. Can you see how God has to restore original order back to? And yet we know in the world today, the world is, is leaving this design at 100 miles an hour. And I don't know personally, you know, when... When man starts to play God and tries, tries to now start changing and creating humanity out of his own being, and now we're messing with gender, when you mess with the core DNA and the nucleus of life, you're going to invite wrath. You just are. And I don't necessarily want to be around when that turns up, but we may be. And so we need to be on the right side of this equation so we can stand firm and resist everything that wants to come. And it's coming. The pressure to conform is all coming, you know? It's like, and this is what we're seeing in some of the bills that are being passed or trying to be passed and all the hate speech stuff. It's like, it's here, guys. It's right here. And so the importance for us to be in Christ, growing in Christ and actually just be able to stand firm and resist is huge. And so this is why we've got to enter into this Christ and me, me and Christ reality in John 17 and not just sort of have this casual Christian walk.
where I'm just about turning up to services, but I'm not embedded in Christ and Christ in me. And this was the original design. So number three is God is boss. I like that word. <laughs> Who the boss? God the boss. You could put Lord if you want. And whether we like it or not, God is the boss and he makes the greatest boss over his creation. And part of our issues is the creation wants to be the creator. Okay, so when we fell out of this perfect design, they were happy with God as boss and we fell out of that, we now want to be the boss. So we go from being the creation, we want to be the creator. And we want to be in charge of our own lives because I've only got one and it's my life. No, that's a poisoned viewpoint. That's why he says you need to lose that life and seek first my kingdom and my righteousness because there's a brand new life because he said life's more than food and the body's more than clothing. Why do you spend the majority of your life earning money to keep this physical life going when I know you need the basic commodities of life, but I tell you, I'll supply those things so you seek first me because you've fallen out of your design. So you need to lose the only life you know, which you can't do, hence you need revelation. And then you need to turn and come back into this original design. But it's foreign if I have no concept of that future. Come and seek first my kingdom and my righteousness. What's that? I don't even know who you are. Well, you need to then start asking, seeking, knocking, don't you? Because when you realise you're born out of design and God wants to get you back into the fullness of design because that's where you were designed to live your life, then a whole lot of other urgency kicks in and a hunger and a thirst starts to kick in for a reality because the only way to this new life is if God performs this work in me through my laying down of my life because God is boss. So I'm not to argue with God. I don't get to have a say. You see, the creation that's not under their creator wants to have a say. I'm going to tell you how it's going to go. We don't get a say in any of it. We just get to be in it and live it. But we do. We want to say. I don't like that. Well, it doesn't matter. <laughs> but I would have done it this way. Well, good on you. It doesn't matter. You weren't even here when I created all this and finished it all. So why are we even talking? <laughs> because I love you. Yeah? You know, the clay doesn't turn around to say to the potter, this is how it's going to go, does it? <laughs> but we do. And we sit there and we argue with him. And what you're doing is sabotaging you. Because he can't move on what he says he is and has done because then he's not faithful. So he can't lie and give you a, you know, he can't give you a favour because then he's not God. So he's boss, what he says goes, and the quicker we learn this and get on board with direct obedience, life is good. And it goes really well. And Peter discovered this, didn't he? He was out fishing. I fished all night long. I'm the fisherman. You're the spiritual dude. What do you know about fishing? Well, I'll tell you right now, if you throw that net on the other side of that boat, you're going to catch some fish. What's this guy know, Paul, about fishing, mate? We've been out all night. I'm the fisherman, and this guy turns up. He's been on the scene a few hours, and he's telling me what to do. Who does he think he is? Well, some claim he's the Messiah, but I don't really know. But 
And he does it, doesn't he? He says, because you say I'm going to do it, and bingo, there's a supply. And what does he say? Who knows the words he says after he sees the, the catch of fish? Depart from me, I am a, yeah, a sinful man. He's made aware of his reality in front of the Lord because he's second-guessing, doubting, going, yeah, I don't know about this guy. Who does this guy think he is? And this is what we do when we don't realise God is Lord. You see, when you only know him as saviour, you try to negotiate the lordship stuff. And we've created our own version of lordship, and it goes like this. I love you with 20% of my heart, and I love my children with 80% of my heart, and I'm under 20% of lordship out of love. No, you're under nothing. You're not under lordship. That's you determining, your lord determining what lordship is, and you're telling God, this is what lordship is. God's like going, that's not lordship. And then what we do from a demonstration or a practical point of view is we say, well, I'm under lordship in my relationships with other people, so I'm not doing this, this, and this in my relationship, but I'm not going to be giving. So I'm under, my relation, I'm under lordship here, but I'm not yet activating lordship here in my life. That's not lordship either. Lordship is all or nothing. Lordship is a hundred, none. And then you get a hundred back and fold. And we've negotiated this third option because we don't want him to be boss. And it keeps us in a false reality and out of life because obedience, here's the ultimate posture of obedience. It's motivated by love and it's activated by faith, through faith. So the ultimate expression of obedience, I'll write it down, eh? So that's position number one. That is the what I call the delight position. It's a delight to live out what he says. Like it's not hard, it's not burdensome. The Bible says the commandments of God are not burdensome. Why? Because I have entered into love and I'm growing in love. So when you love somebody, you love to do what they ask, correct? It's like, oh my goodness, what a drag this is. Oh, I should. I, man, I ought to. Catch yourself, because if this is the language, that's a legalistic heart. Okay? If it's I have to, it's really, you don't really know God if that's your heart. And I don't mean to offend you, I'm just trying to share with you so you can seek God, because love doesn't talk like that. Like God is the most beautiful creative being that I encountered 22 years ago who's literally saved my life and has rebuilt me. And it's a joy and an honour to do what he says. So it's motivated by your love that God inputs in you and it's activated by faith, which is your sight in the unseen. Not blind sight, it's like I see what you say, and it's being written on my heart, so it's 
a joy to just obey because I have love and faith working in my life. Okay? That's the top position. The second position of obedience, if it's not this, is motivated by trust and activated by discipline. So you can't say, I don't feel like it. Okay? Obedience isn't, motive, isn't acted out because I don't feel like it, and then I feel like it on this day, and I don't feel like it. That's false. Okay, God's saying, I'm the boss. And if I say well, you do it, you do it. If you want life, this is how to live. So he's not being heavy-handed. He's not being, I'm the boss. And if you don't sort it out, I'm going to come down and crush you. It's, hey, I'm the creator. I'm your father. I've designed it before you even turned up. Do you want life? If you do, do it my way. If you want death, don't do it my way. But as a father, I'm telling you, I'm encouraging you, I'm urging you, but you have choice to do it this way. And it goes well if you do, because there's a blessing and there's a curse if you don't. So you choose, okay? So if we're not here, we're here. And so our obedience, and this is where Peter was, it was motivated by trust in what he said and activated by discipline. Because he doesn't yet know him, he's not in love with him, and he certainly has very little faith because Jesus told him that the entire time in the Gospels. So... What's the third option if we're not in there? Disobedience. And there is no... There, I haven't spelled that right, have I? Disobedience, sorry. I was all right at school for spelling. <laughs> I can't even read it myself. So there's no life in disobedience. And this is where we've created this false lordship. And we believe it because we created it and it fits us. And it fits our version of him. So what you've done when you do that is you've created God in your image. You've made a God in your image and it's not the God. And that's what he told us all along. Because you can't see me, don't make me in your image. You've got to hear me, not look at me. That's why faith comes from hearing, not by seeing. Okay? And so this is massive. And I think a lot of people sit about here. That one there. And the goal is you want to come into this one, where it is a joy and an honour and a privilege. You go, how much do you want? You can have it all. I've given it all. So I own nothing and it's all yours anyway, isn't it? And that's the position of ultimate life. But these things are the key. Because this one can still be hard. Oh, he's telling me to throw the boat out on the other side. Do I trust that? But when you're in love, psh, not even a second thought, bang, done. So I hope that helps. Um, we have to understand that the kingdom of God is a theocratic kingdom. It's not a democracy, okay? So we live in a democratic society, don't we?
Okay, God's kingdom is a theocratic, which just means he's the boss. He's decided, he's made up all the rules before you even arrived on the scene. So that's why we don't negotiate. So it's his way or no way in the sense of if you want life, you can't come into life any other way but through Christ. Why does he do it that way? So you know he's God and you're not. So there's only one way. Jesus said, it's me. And it's the only way. And God will love us like a good parent and will watch us as children run around, run around, you know, lie on the floor, have a tanty, get up and down, jump all over the place, say, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you, I hate your dad, I hate your dad. I, go, I love you, that's okay, cool. Are you done? No, you're still going, okay. How long do you want to play this game for? Because, you know, I've got eternity, you haven't. <laughs> <laughs> and he just loves his patience. Love is kind. Love doesn't hold the account of wrong, but when the one comes, they say, so you ready now? And that's that losing one's life. And he will just wait and love you and love you until, but you're just sabotaging your life. And so he's a theocratic king. There is commandments. There are already preset conclusions set in place. We don't get to play with any of this stuff or design it. And that's why, and this is my personal conviction, so this is my personal conviction, is when a church goes from being creation to creator, it comes up with its own mission statements and purposes and visions. And what you do is you're taught every church needs this, which is the beautiful thing of creating division in the body. But when the creation just looks to the creator and says, what's your purpose? What's your design for your creation? Then we all run in the same way. Okay? How that is expressed can be different, but we're all running the same way because we're to be part of a body and we don't need any more than what God has already created because Everything he's created and everything he's finished is in conclusion to his design. So if you're out of what's already finished or can't see it, you're creating your own lane. You're creating your own thing, but you're not the creator, you're the creation. So I don't have to create anything. I have to see what the creator has already created and run there. Then I will find everything that he says in here and be one. That's why Paul says, make my joy complete by being of the same mind. Well, good luck with that one. But this is what he's expecting. The same love. Mind of Christ. Christ is love. Same spirit. And the same purpose, one purpose. Not purposes, one purpose. And inside that one purpose is sure there are outworkings that God's going to do as a body and as an individual, but you actually get a body that's one, that is in fellowship with God, so we have oneness with one another, rather than trying to create physical friendships and we turn up and really we're actually going 15 different directions and we call that unity. That's what happens when the creation tries to tell the creator how it's going to go down because we don't understand we're in a theocratic kingdom and we don't get a say. We're not that important. <laughs> we're not. We are not that important. And then we become important when you realise you're not that important. 
You see, we all think we're good, but he says none of you are good. Well, God, you're telling me no one's good, but I think I'm good. So I don't believe what you say, God. Oh, okay. Well, so where were you when I created it all and finished it all? <laughs> where were you, Greg? Uh, he, um, mm. Now, do you believe that no one's good? Even if you think you're good. If I tell you no one's good, no one's good. So you need to come into my version of what I'm saying, not maintain your version of what you think I said. And this is why it's crucial that you see what he says, not see what you think he says. This is coded. You have to hear and see his version of himself. Otherwise, guess what? You become Lord of your own life. And you end up telling God how it's going down because that's the position you fell into when we were born. And that's the position Adam and Eve found themselves in after the fall. So God's getting us back to him truly being the boss. He gave Eve a conclusion. What did he say? What was the conclusion he gave to Eve in the garden? Eve, what was the conclusion God gave to Eve? Sorry, Adam, but God. What was the conclusion that, that Eve was given in the garden? Yeah. The day you eat of this, you will surely die. Yeah. There's a conclusion, isn't it? No room for movement. It's not like, oh, here's a suggestion. If you eat from that, you will die. So what did she do? And what happened? She died. Because God has already written all the conclusions. So if my foundation, my start, isn't associated with all God's conclusions, I'm starting wrong. If I don't know the conclusions from the beginning, I'll create my own. And I'll walk in alignment to my own conclusions, which means I'm out of order. So he's already finished everything it is. It's just about me being obedient to what is already written and finished in the Son. If I'm outside of that, I'm outside of life. And I'm trying to create my own life. And there's nothing in me that can create life. It's only Him. And so it is a theocratic kingdom. Um, what's the time? 7.50. Cool. I've got about 10 minutes. So that's number three. God is boss. Once again, you'll send out the notes. And if you come to number four, it says God and people are to have different roles. God and people are to have different roles. And all these are connected, okay? So there are four aspects, but they're really one connection. And they flow out because if God's not boss and you're going to be boss, then what do you think you're going to do? You're going to try and build your own empire and wrap his name around it. Okay, That's what ultimately blasphemy is. It's where you take his name and do your will. Lord, Lord, healed the sick, raised the dead. Who are you? You took my name, did your will. It'd be scary, eh? But that's what we can do if we're not under lordship. And we don't even know we do it. That's the scary thing. And ultimately, that's what's 
saving us in the sense of the intent of our hearts not that and out of ignorance and unbelief we do it and God sees the heart and goes oh my children you're not doing it my way because you're still trying to do it your way so my love is covering you but there are consequences for that lifestyle and so this is why this is so important whether I understand my role and his role now the Bible says that the builders rejected the cornerstone does it not? So the chief cornerstone, the Christ, was rejected by the people that were supposed to accept it. So what do builders do, Chris? They build. So they went on and built what? Their own version. And he turned up after and said, what's this? Like, what have you done? What do you mean? Don't you love it? No, this is not what we had in mind. We had in mind. What have you done? Because if you don't fall on that cornerstone and have you as God broken, you'll try to build your own life. Your hands will be on the things that are God's. How do I know that? Because mine were in the building of the house. And God had to show me my hands were on some of the stuff that was his. He said, Simnor, your hands have to come off and my hands go on. And when you get a vision of that, so when he shows you your hands are on the things that are his, and that's when he shows you, that's where true repentance is. Because it's not someone telling you, it's God showing you. <gasps> and because I loved him, I was like, <laughs> like it's that quick. Because you see, and then he starts to talk to you about why things were the way they were when your hands were on that. Oh, that's why it was so hard. That's why Ningani fruit. That he's going, yeah. And so this is us. They were all in this. We're all trying to build. We're all trying to do our thing because we haven't maybe been broken and had that, or God hasn't showed us. And so this is where all the stress is. Like this is where the burnout is because you've got your hands on something that's His, and you're trying really hard out of good intention, but good intention isn't God. Doesn't matter how hard you try, if it's not part of his theocratic kingdom, it's you establishing your own kingdom. It's called an empire. And it's going to get you nowhere, but out of your humanity, you can actually build something and it looks really flash. It's just got no eternal value in it. And a whole lot of people who don't know the things of the Spirit go along with it, come under it, and they help build it. But man, you've got to keep it going, eh? And you've got to keep all those plates spinning all the time because you're adding all the time. And it's like, man, this is crazy. And so what happens is a leadership that's in this starts to drive. And it's all about the mandate. It's all about the vision. It's all about, and everyone's running around at 110 miles an hour and no one's in rest. Everyone's burning out on the inside. But man, we've got to keep this thing going. It's a machine. Because our hands are on the wrong thing and God wants to take our hands off and put them on what he's called us to be part of. And this is why God, it's all a work of divine grace. But inside there are things to be done, but he empowers those things. So God showed me and my hands were on trying to take people here and reach a lost world. God said, why are you doing that when 
a lot of the people here at that particular time, and I even know they don't really know me the way I want them to know me. They only know about me. So you're taking a whole lot of people into a world that don't really know me, and what are they going to say about me when they don't really know me? They'll just tell people about me, and they can learn that from other people, really. So I want people who know me to go into a world so when they release me, not what I've done, but me, there's a whole different reality there. But I was so in love and so passionate, I almost didn't care. Because this is what I want to do. Because I'm in love with you and certainly you want lost people reached. He said, yeah, I do, but I reach and seek and save the lost. And then he said this, lead them to me and lead them to the commandment. And then he showed me why I was so passionate and why I'd landed here. Who did all that work, son? And you know what's crazy? Eh? It sound, you sound so thick when you say it because it's so simple. It makes such common sense, but you miss it until he shows it. Because it would be hard. You know, I do training nights and you get four people show up and we're all supposed to love God and love the world, but only four people turn up because people don't really want to go and love the world and love people and they're loving themselves. And, but you try and I 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 pray and pray and you're not really getting anywhere. Apart from tired. <laughs> and then he shows you what you're trying to do is me. And you need to be relinquished from what you think is me. So I do what I do. And for any leader, the relinquishing of the control is massive. Okay? The relinquishing of the outcome is huge. But that's where all the rest is. And as soon as I relinquished the rest, I was flooded with rest. And I've lived from rest, Sabbath rest, Hebrews 4, for 11, 12 years now, where I'm so at rest, I feel guilty at times, but not really. <laughs> but it came through relinquishing and taking hands off something and then God putting my hands on this. He said, here's your leadership strategy, pray more. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay, no. Pray way, way more. Okay? I want you to speak what I've shown you. Oh, yeah, I'm good at that. I think I can do that. Can't shut up. <laughs> Even that's a working process. I want you to invite people to walk with you. So invite them on the journey. Okay? I want you to just hear and obey. So when I speak, I want you to obey. And I want you to model what this looks like. That's it. And I go, but what about bang, 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 bang? He goes, that's all mine. Yeah, but what if they don't bang? bang? Well, that's, not, that's on me. I'm God, not you. And as soon as that happened, I'm telling you right, I was flooded with rest. I know what it is to enter into the rest. The Hebrews 4 talks about because I was flooded. With, I was like, that's amazing. But it sounds foolishness to other people. Because other people come up and other leaders ask me, but what about bang, 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 bang? All these outcomes. I go, they're his. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. But what about, I said, are you in rest? No, you're burning out, stressing out. Look, let me help you from someone who was you, but while we're still the boss, oh, that guy's just an idiot and a fool. We know better. Okay. Well, I'm going to live from this rest and you can continue to maybe burn out and have stress and worry and all that stuff and praise God for it. But he said, I'll give you rest, not stress. Because we're still trying to be God. 
and the creation is telling the creator how it's going down and we haven't yet come into our roles and his role. Because let's be honest, we're wide, we're born Lord of our own lives. And all we do is take that over into this kingdom reality. And we try to negotiate and we say, and God's so gracious, man. He is so gracious. What's the, you know, he loves us. He hates the operating system, but he loves us. And that's where the mercy is. And when you actually realize that, because I'm like, God, I've, I've preached stuff that's not true. He goes, yeah, but I saw your heart. But God, I've said stuff that's... He goes, yeah, you're not the only one. It'll continue to happen. Aren't you thankful that I don't hold an account of wrong? Yes. Aren't you thankful that I'm patient and kind and gentle and bear all things and I'm in control and I'm God, you're not because it was up to you and I'm not in this. Yeah, it's trouble, but because I'm in control, it's not. Yeah, I really am. And so that just positions you, you know, and you start understanding why, why you'd want to come under, you know, why obedience is the thing, but why you'd want to obey. It's beautiful. Like it's the most beautifulest thing to obey God. It's not burdensome. Once he starts showing you the why and he opens up through revelation, it's like, what a clown. And at hindsight, eh? why didn't I do this earlier? <laughs> Brick's laughing. <laughs> um, so just at the end there, just to recap, um, the roles of God and the roles of man. God's role was to be the source. Man's role was to depend on the source. So God's role was to, is to be the source. Man's role is to depend on the source. And see, the challenge is, probably I'd say a lot of people know him as resource, but not necessarily their source. And he wants to be both, but there's an order. Uh, number two, God's role was to be in control. God's role was to be in control. Man's role was to yield himself to God. I love that word, yield. Oh, never, ever give up. That's in my English blood. And I'm Liverpoolian. It's like, what? Yield? Yield to nobody. We go down fighting. <laughs> no, you yield. And you need someone in you, don't you, to yield because the strong man of self is not bound down to anybody. So in view of his mercy, I lay my life down. Okay, God was the judge of life. So God was the judge of life. Man was to experience life. And this is why God speaks very strongly on judgment, meaning self-righteous judgment. Okay, we're called to judge the church, one another. We're called to discern where each one's at so we can help one another grow. Okay? That is not self-righteous judgment. Self-righteous judgment, where God says, if you judge another, I'll judge you, is where you're lording it over somebody and that judgment is death. Okay? That's what we're not to be doing. That's what the Pharisees were doing. 
that self-righteous judgment. So God is judge, but we are to discern and help one another grow. Because if you see that I'm, like if you saw me as a leader 11 years ago, and you had discernment, you could come and help me and say, Greg, in your leadership, I've noticed this, this, and this, and it's not of the Lord. Now, I might have given you a punch in the nose. I don't know. But <laughs> but you know what I mean? You could help me through judging, making a righteous judgment and a discernment of I'm not in because that's hurting the church. It's hurting me. And it could be possibly discrediting God. So as a brother or sister, you can help me grow. And I invite that all the time. And I know the elders do all the time. It's like, we're not perfect. We're not going to get everything perfect. Together, we want to grow together but let's all be teachable, but let's all help one another through true discernment. you know. And that's with the Spirit's leading. It's not just, oh, yeah, I saw this, Mel, you got this all wrong, blah, 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 blah. You know? Because once again, if you go there, the heart is for the person. The heart is to see a person released from something they might believe that's not of him because you're caring about them and you want to see them released. Um, so God is the judge, we don't self-righteous judge And through that man experiences life And the last one is God made the rules God made the rules Man is to obey them And you've probably all seen this, eh? but it's quite a good, good thing What's, in, what's a word in the middle of that word? And what's the middle letter in that word? I die. But it's through revelation. So it's not through trying to die. So you don't leave here going, I'm going to try and kill myself. Spiritually, I'm not going to fool me. I'm not going to fool me. You probably do that for about a day. Someone will upset you and bleh, out you'll come. Okay? It says Christ, Christ crucified. So as I receive a revelation of the Christ, he'll crucify me. Then I die. Yeah? So I'm not trying to die. I'm seeking revelation of the Christ. As he shows me, the natural thing to do is to relinquish me. So if there's bits I'm hot, it's just like, oh, of course, there you go. Because he shows you what's on offer. He gives you beauty for your ashes. It's the most beautiful exchange. I love that song, a beautiful exchange, because it is. But we have to be able to see, and that's why it's based on the revelation, not trying to die. And the Bible actually doesn't say that you die to yourself. It says deny self. Okay, And that has a whole different context to it when you start realising the reality of what you've come into. And we use scriptures like you know, John the Baptist. You know that in John it says, uh, I must increase, he must, sorry, I must decrease, he must increase. That's not, has nothing to do with this. Okay, what the context of that is, what John is saying is, my ministry's done. So the Christ is here, the one I was preparing the way has arrived. The kingdom of God now must increase, and my ministry must decrease because I've done my role. 
But what we use, because we think it's about dying to self, yeah, it's not. And so just, I say that just as how we can even take some of the scriptures out of context and create this, I've got to die to myself. I hear it, I've got to die, I've got to die, I've got to die. No, 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 no. You can't kill yourself. You won't kill yourself. You have to receive revelation. The revelation of Christ within you will relinquish you from you. If you're still your own source, it'll be a powerful revelation that comes in and releases you from being the source. You get rerouted. So the root of self, comes. his hand comes in because he builds with his hands. Yeah, he was a carpenter. <laughs> that was a bit of a joke, but anyway. <laughs> so his hand comes in, grabs hold of the root of self, reroots and pulls it out and then reroots you in love. He doesn't leave you hanging. He's not that type of God. Okay? Boom, boom. And you're like, and you know. Like you know, you know. And so it's just, we're all in this as a family together going through this journey. And so one's not better than the other. It's just, let's help one another, encourage one another to go where we need to go to allow him to do this work. 